Welcome to the 34th Circe Welcome to Make Matriarchy Great Again. And welcome everyone to the 34 Circe Salon Make Matriarchy Great Again. I am Sean Marlon Newcomb and I am here with I am here with it's going to be a great opening. It's coming. Any second now, she's going to All remember right. that she pushed the mute button and she will return. <laughs> yes, that's our own Dawn, Sam Alden. Welcome, Dawn. <laughs> Welcome. I'm, I'm really here now. I, I, I really am. I, I do that all the time. It's like, I think I'm saying something in response and I am, but no one else is hearing but it. No one else is hearing it. Well, it is, you know, the phrase of the age, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's You're on mute. That is the phrase of the age. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I was going to the Zen place. Like, okay, if I speak into a microphone and no one hears it, do I really make a sound or say a word? We'll find out. So today's show is going to be about I thought an interesting topic because I have my own curiosity about it. And I think it ties into what we, the concepts we deal with on this uh, channel, which is uh, matriarchy, female empowerment, and that is romance novels. And how, why does that tie in? Well, that's kind of my question on all this stuff. That's kind of my, I think they call it big idea. Big idea about it is, does the romance novel, why why do they exist? What do they do to women's views of themselves and power and dating and all that good stuff? Well, let's sort of talk general first. Mm -hmm. Um, Romance novels are a very profitable genre Mm -hmm. um, in, you know, about uh, over a billion dollars a year in sales. Uh, which makes it a third larger than the inspirational book industry and about the size of the mystery novel genre and the science fantasy and fiction genres combined. So it's the big dog of the publishing industry. It is definitely the big dog or the big cat. Or the big cat. Yes, yes. Um, Uh, The regular romance readers' core audience is over 29 million. And uh, the extended audience of those who occasionally pick up a romance novel is much greater. 84% of romance novel readers are women. Mm -hmm. And uh, romance fiction buyers span all the age ranges, but the largest segment is between 30 and 54 years old. So... Okay, so let's get this down. A few things here. So Mm -hmm. 84% female. Mm -hmm. And they are between 30 and 50, you said? Uh, 30 to 54 is 30 the to 54. largest segment. 41% mm-hmm. of readers are 30 to 54. Okay. And it is the number one genre. Yeah. And uh, as of 2014, ebook romance sales have outpaced paperbacks. 
Um, so a lot of uh, people are now embracing uh, the ebook genre. Now we chose a book to read. Did you use a paperback or an ebook? I used an ebook. I checked I used it an out ebook of, as well. Yeah, I checked it out of the library, as a matter of fact. So um, I am a reader, but not a buyer. Shame on me. And I got it in sort of the Kindle Select, where you seem to be able to like streaming movies, download whatever books you want. I'm not sure what the authors get with these. That's a whole other story. I hope. Yeah. They're taken care of well, but I did it because I wanted to read a few different books. Um, let's just say the book that we read, first of all, it's called Prisoner of My Desire. Mm -hmm. Prisoner it, of My Desire. And it is by? Uh, let's see. It is by a person. It is by it's a, a woman. It's a special or person. A, 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 someone with a woman's name, anyway. <laughs> I think it's an actual, I think that is, in fact, Joanna Lindsay, I think is a real, yeah. that's the name of the author. Is well, it's her, person, it's her, I, I believe it's her nom de plume, but I believe oh, that, yeah, sure. she is a woman. So. In fact, a woman, yes. Yeah. Uh, it seems like most of the writers of the genre, at least from what I've read, are female, even if they're using pseudonyms. Right, yes. Okay. Yeah. And that, and that would stand to reason. If 84% of your market is female, it would not be surprising if the vast majority of people writing to that market were female. At least I'd like to think that would not be surprising. Of course, we know how things work in our culture. Well, you know, if it is women writers and women readers, that would explain, you know, how uh, the romance genre has been poo-pooed and looked down upon for, mm -hmm. uh, you know, by, by legitimate publishers because, um, you know, it's a woman's, it's a girl thing. It's, it's chick lit. So, you know, it's not proper yeah. literature. By it's not any. serious stuff. Not no, serious guy stuff. Not, certainly well, not. It's, this is interesting because was, you know, we decided for the list and we decided, okay, we would talk about this. And I said, to talk about it, I really need to read one of these. I've never read one of these books before. Right. Uh, so um, now, Dawn, how, again, for the listener, did you pick Prisoner of My Desire? Oh, I picked it because it was uh, from the 80s and because Joanna Lindsay is a, a, you know, was, was one of the most prolific and, um, and popular writers of that time. So we went old school flashback weekend. Exactly. It's an 80s novel. flashback weekend with the romance novel. That's right. Okay. That's right. And, and so for me, it was like, okay, I wanted to see what these things were like. Well, you know, the next step will be to see if the ones today are the same, if they're similarly written. I would imagine as with any genre, especially if it's popular, there's lots of subgenres. I would imagine people are branching out and doing different things with them. But I, this, well, the, I imagine this could be tried and true. Exactly. You know? This, this, uh, the hallmarks of the romance genre, um, what, you know, what makes a, a novel a romance novel? And it's generally considered to be a romance novel if a love story is central to the plot. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's about two characters or more, depending on what kind of, romance you're reading um falling in love getting together living happily ever after now, um, would and that is, heights, that is would no heights be, no okay. because the mm -hmm. ending has to be emotionally satisfying and optimistic so oh, it no. does have to end happily ever after so nelly i am heathcliff we'll have not that in the uh romance genre. okay that's fair yeah. enough. so um the time frame can be anything the setting can be anything. 
Um, you know, those things don't define a mm -hmm. romance genre. Um, the hero, he can be an average guy as long as he looks better than average with his shirt off, right? It's, yeah. So is this this exactly, this is written in the, the commandments of the romance novel. So he has to be sort of a, a five, above a five, like a he seven. He has to be a shining specimen of the male form, indeed. So nine, a nine. Okay. He has All to be, right. yeah, he has to be a nine or a ten, okay. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, provided, of course, he's a man, because sometimes they're, you know, vampires, werewolves, uh, mm. you know, aliens from another planet who have, remarkably um, useful appendages, things like that. One more time, Third microphone time charm. overheating because of Dawn's just passionate <laughs> descriptions of things she's actually heating up all of our technology i am i am like so i was going to ask can with these werewolves and uh, extraterrestrial beings do they, they always have to morph into a guy's form do they stay as werewolves you know are they dating so what's what's the deal when they oh do that any any of, of the above okay. any of the above okay. as long as the love story is central to the plot and it ends happily and hopefully Okay. And then there's okay. one more aspect of a romance novel, and that is the tone, um, which is, it is about, um, it can be uh, sexually explicit. Uh, the inspirational genres is generally not um, explicit. It's mm -hmm. more, you know, maybe they kiss at the end, but you know that they're going to be happy together. Um, to, you know, to super hot, 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 hot. What is called in the industry a fast burn, which means, oh. you know, they get to the sex stuff right away and they spend a lot of time there. What would you consider? So we read the book, Prisoner of My Desire. That was this this month's romance book club. Mm -hmm. um, how would you, was that a fast burn? Would you call it a fast burn? Would you call it explicit? Uh, um, curious. I would... You know, I'm a, I'm, I'm, my preference mm -hmm. is for the, uh, the more hot, saucy, saucy. So, um, I would, <laughs> so I would call this, I would call this a medium to fast burn. Okay. okay. And I would say it was, it was, um, yeah, it was fairly explicit there was a good amount of sex in it it wasn't sex every other page um there was you know the sort of um will they get together will they get together uh, tension but um but uh yeah there was some there were a few a few hot scenes so yeah okay now as as a novice romance novel reader i would look at i would reading through it I would, if I had my own little scale of how to describe mm -hmm. it, I would, I would put it to medium low burn, right? So to me, it was sort of like, uh, and, and somewhat explicit, but because there, this, for the, for the listener, the story is set 
in, I believe, the 12th century. I think they said it was yes. the 1100s, right? Yes, the 1100s, so it, yeah. So it's set in the 12th century. And a lot, all the language is sort of pseudo early, like late dark ages kind of. I would what's... call it like Renfair language. So Renfair it's like, language. Right? Yeah, it's like a nod to the time, but it is by no means historically accurate because then, yeah. you know, you'd be reading Chaucer and then yeah, you'd be, you'd yeah. be reading old, basically old English. Sounds yes, like, exactly. like, like sort of, ger- it's a Germanic language. There hadn't been at that point. I don't know when they exactly said it is because 1066, you get the Norman conquest and that's when the English language changes over. It starts to become this really florid, rich language. But prior to that, most people were speaking a variant of German um, or Germanic language, I should say, not variant of German. So, yeah, no one would be saying mayhap, Syrah, you know, <laughs> milady, please me, milady, or that kind of stuff. Um, that, yeah, so it's set then. So when I talk about explicit, they it's explicit in a Renfair kind of way where her womanhood and her other stuff, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So they yeah. do get into it's that. It's not, it's absolutely not porn. It's very yeah. different from porn. Absolutely. It absolutely. is. Yeah. It's a different, um, it's a whole different variant. It's, and... it's, yeah. It's if Monty Python wrote porn. No, it's not no. fair. Uh, it's not fair. Okay. No, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Uh, look, the book was well written. The book is definitely a, like you, I think you described yeah, it it's as a, a class... summer beach yeah. read. You yes, know, to, absolutely. You kind of breeze through. Yeah. All right. So, so you asked sort about, of explicit. okay, sure. Yeah. So you asked about how, you know, my history with the romance novel. So, right, right. How did you get into these? I was raised in New England, in Puritan New England. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as a young woman entering and dwelling in puberty for a while, um, my parents never gave me the talk, right? Because we're in Puritan mm-hmm. New England. So you it's don't a, talk about different, sex. Different generation, too. They different didn't generation. talk about that Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, to be honest, uh, my mom was German and mm-hmm. um, and the Germans as a people are generally pretty open about the body and about, you know, uh, sexual relations between people. But you, you've said that, which I find very interesting yeah. because, you know, the stereotype is that the Germans would be much more uptight about that sort of thing. Yeah, but I thought not. it was interesting to hear you. Yeah, no, I think that's really they're pretty, you know, matter of fact about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But my mom was kind of an exception to the rule. She was very shy and very mm. innocent. I mean, mm, the, okay. the example that I use is that when my parents got married, both of them decided that they didn't want to have children right away. And then my dad assumed that my mom was doing something about it. My mom assumed that my dad was doing something about it. And nine months later, my brother was born. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. So... My mom was fairly sexually naive. Um, so even if she had wanted to give me the talk, I don't know that she would have known what to say to me. It's I can only imagine neither of us are parents, and I can only imagine what that moment would feel like. It's some it's very difficult, and especially for that generation. Yeah, yeah. So as a result, I I had like many you know, kids uh, of our generation, I had to get my um, information about what sex was from outside sources, from my friends and from media. Mm -hmm. Now, I was not attracted to porn um, because especially at that time, 
porn was not made for pubescent girls. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the thing that, that we passed around between us were romance novels. So that was your version of racy stuff, racy stash to give to your the gals you hung out with. Well, it was our way of educating ourselves on what this whole thing between boys and girls was about. How old were you around at that time? About young, how old? young teens. Okay. So 14, 15. Uh, probably 13, 14, 15, around in there. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, maybe older, because this was all throughout high school, I think. So basically the middle teen, you know, yeah. pre, pre-college. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Okay, interesting. And pre, right. Pre-high school graduation. Because um, in my senior year of high school, I finally got my first boyfriend. And then, you know. And then you didn't need those books. Well, yeah, yeah. We educated each other. Um, so, yeah. So I was young. I didn't know much about male-female relations. Um mm-hmm. My my best friend at the time, Carol, um, Carol and I would spend hours on the phone, um, essentially doing a, an, a verbal version of writing fanfic. We would talk about our favorite um, movies and television shows, and then we would narrate to each other alternative episodes with ourselves as the guest star. That's really interesting. I've never heard someone say that before. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, I, I, we could think, I mean, you know, we all think about ourselves in, I should say we all, but many people think about themselves when they see a film, especially when they're teens. If you're in the film, what it would be like for your own episode, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I've ever had the discussion of that. Certainly not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We did it. Uh, we okay. did it for hours, hours and hours and hours. When we got together, we'd, We'd often do the same thing. And, you know, we'd always have a romance with our heartthrob on that show, right? As, okay. as uh, it's called today, you know, your TV boyfriend. So I would have, uh, God, the, the first one that comes to mind is um, the original Battlestar Galactica. I had, oh, God. Yeah, yeah. So you liked Lauren Green that much. That's amazing. Oh, shut up. Um, okay. <laughs> I had a crush Wait, why, why on Lord Green. Okay, I had a crush on uh, uh, Starbuck, and yeah, Starbuck. Carol had a crush on Apollo. So we would, you know, narrate to each other endless episodes where you know we would be um, guest stars on the show, and and we would, you know, have a romantic liaison with uh, with the characters. So, so. The whole that's, idea... That's funny. I mean, the original Battlestar is an iconic show. And it's, yeah. I, I loved, obviously... Um, was it the uh, Cylons? Cylons, uh, yeah. Yeah, the, the Cylon. The, the, yeah, By was, your command. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Oh, those were that... Yeah, I was more getting into the, the ships blowing up and stuff. But yeah, I get it. No, I get it. Because, yeah. you know... All right, so you had so, you had so a little from crush the on that. start, yeah, from the start, to me, you know, the the sort of storytelling aspect of romance was there from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a natural thing to start reading romance novels because stories was how you know it's how the human brain processes information, and it was specifically how I processed the the education 
about um, about romance. Now, had you read these after you got your boyfriend, after you graduated to real life uh, dating interaction, as we all do at some point, did you still ever, did you pick up a romance novel after that? Oh, was Lord, it- I don't remember. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm curious. I'm curious. Yeah. Is, was this this book we read this week was the first one you've read since you were in high school? I was, was just wondering about that. It was probably the first like old school romance novel that I've read since then. But um, but you know, I've I've read erotica since then. Mm-hmm. So, but that's where, that yeah. word thing is something a little different. Just again for the listener, the reason we're going down this road is it. It dawned on me, uh, we were somehow this came up, we were talking about it, and I, and I had an image in my head of the kind of thing that would be in a romance novel. You sort of confirmed that those that kind of story would be in a romance novel. And the reason I, I had it in my head about this was that romance novels struck me as as I, as a guy, I'm always looking at how guys conduct themselves within this kind of structure of the system. Okay, I'm not looking at it. I'm looking at it as a guy who has never had this kind of thing about, I don't like traditional guy behavior patterns. I, that's, I, I engage in those probably traditional behavior patterns. But I look at what they represent in terms of how it affects culture, how it treats people in different groups and women. And particularly when I think about the idea of the big, strong brute who's basically the woman kind of like gets weak at the knees and does his bidding. That was my image of a romance novel, like basically patriarchy as a hot rush, you know, a patriarchal propaganda put in a real sexy format that kind of gets somebody to do it. I could be completely wrong, but that's where I was coming from. Yeah, so programming. That's it's programming, you know. You it's, know it's, we go love your master. The, we go to the romance novel as, you know, as young people specifically, but also as older women to um to to go into fantasy to a place where we can we can live in that sort of blush of infatuation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 that sort of rush that makes us gives us all the good feelings, all the um, oxy, ox, what is it that? Uh, oxytocin. Oxytocin, yes, yeah, oxytocin, yeah. That um, feeling of, of, of connecting, of being in love. And, um, you know, as a, as a woman that's, um, you know, that, uh, that lives her life as a woman and is um, constantly told that she needs to be uh, what other people want her to be, um, having a chance to to you know escape to escape to a genre that that um, centers the woman's experience mm-hmm. um, is is very attractive. Well, let's sort of I guess get to you know why you know I was starting to question you about it because for me again it was the I keep you I've used the phrase before love your master or mm-hmm. patriarchy as I have said to you off air that. The, the thing about patriarchy in our culture in the West is some patriarchies are about o- obedience. Western patriarchy is about loving. So in other words, the Western patriarchy is just as overbearing, but the idea is you want, they want you to love your oppressor. Whereas mm-hmm. the other, other patriarchies simply want you to obey your oppressor. 
that's my quick, really short take on it. Yeah. But yeah. but the reason I say that is because so much of popular culture is about look at this brute. Yeah, he's a bit he's a bit domineering and maybe in some cases in these books a little rapey. Yeah. But you know what? Don't you really like him? He's just kind of you know he just needs you, the lady, to show him how to soften up, and then you can have his control. It's sort of the opposite of what we just talked about in our last podcast with. Wonder Woman, yeah. which was the idea of the loving female dominance, our culture kind of yeah to use uh, sort of like a, yeah to use um, uh, his disc theory, our culture doesn't want compliance from women; it wants submission. Submission, exactly. Yeah. And so these books, I mean, again, if you're listening, enjoy the books. I'm not telling people <laughs> to enjoy romance novels. I just cure. I just wonder what effect it has like i'm not trying to say take romance novels we all go we get like a feminist book burning and then we all just burn <laughs> books. No, no. no i'm not saying that i'm just saying it's it's something that i when i see it in these books and they're so popular and they feed into a same mindset and then i see it all the time in hollywood movies because it's still yeah. there very yeah. strongly there we're supposedly at a woke age in movies and it's like you're not so woke it's still there's the the big patriarch at the center and it's just you now get to be his buddy or his girlfriend so it's it's like that's how i look at it when i look at these these genres so that's yeah. how we got to prisoner of my desire so let's well, talk you know, about to, that to we're just going to take as read for the rest of this discussion i think um take as read that media the media that we consume affects and shapes the way we look at the world Let's just take that as read. I don't, okay. uh, you know, it's not a, it's not a podcast about arguing that point. We'll just yeah, exactly. assume it's true. It shapes it. And yeah. if you don't agree with it, well, just leave. Okay. <laughs> right, so, Bear with anyway. us and, you know, and enjoy <laughs> it on, on, on a different level. So I, I, I doubt anyone's going to, that's listening yeah. to this podcast is going to be upset with that statement. Yeah. All right. So we've got our book. So, so we've got our book, Prisoner of Desire. Absolutely. So I'm going to go, let's go through it. Let's go through it from beginning to end. Right. Okay. So let's okay. talk about the struct, you know, let's, as if we're reading it. And then mm-hmm. um, at certain points, you know, uh, there, I think there are, it's, it's time to pause and sort of discuss the themes. Sure. So this uh, Prisoner of My Desire opens with a scene of um, a man abusing a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, the description of the woman is small, fragile, frail. She's a tiny, tiny woman. And um, the man who is abusing her, uh, slapping her across the face while she is held in place by two male guards, um, is described as a handsome brute. Yeah. This is her stepson um, by a forced marriage. Uh, Her lands were essentially taken over. Um, uh, Her husband died and uh, a neighboring lord who wanted her lands um you know defeated her armies took her married her against her will and um has since has just recently died so now the stepson is in power and um he wants what he wants and the way he gets it is by beating the crap out of his stepmother 
Okay, so let's have a timeout. Uh, <laughs> good Lord. Handsome Brute. See, there it is. That sums up, I think that sums up Hollywood's dream lead. Like this kind of like, whether they say it or not, I'm trying to be woken up. But certainly we know for the history of Hollywood, it's like the handsome brute. Yeah, that's who he is. And you love him for it. Now, what do you, what's your take? See, I'm a guy. I'm coming at it. I look at a, I look at a handsome brute. I don't really care if he's handsome. I don't like him being a brute. Yeah, all you see is think, the brute. Yeah. yeah, all I see yeah. is the brute. And I want to like just knock him through, you know, whatever. Well, the interesting thing see? is the author goes on to describe the inner workings of his psyche, which mm -hmm. is that he was raised by a violent father and all he's known is violence. So he acts this way, not almost not out of out of choice, but just because that is how he thinks people act. That's how he thinks men behave in order to get what they want. And, and so the, from the beginning, the writer is, is defining him as slightly separate from someone who is cruel and villainous by choice. Can we call timeout again? Timeout. I wish I had the whistle. I wish I had the, the sound effects for a whistle. Um, okay, so, so this is a distinction. So this is a distinction that the that the author makes from the first time we meet this person. So as absolutely. a romance writer, I'm immediately cued in because remember these books follow a formula, right? Mm -hmm. I'm immediately cued in that this guy is going to be redeemed by the end of the book. And, and I get it. And again, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm always painfully aware of when people analyze pop culture stuff, right? I mean, I'm usually on the edge, uh, on the end of the, the spectrum of response when people do this, where I'm like, come on, just relax, let it go. Don't go into it too much, but I'm going to be the person going into it. All right. So, he's this handsome brute and there's a reason he's a brute because he had some trouble growing up right because he was raised in a violent environment raised in right right what lands on me goes outside of the novel right because mm -hmm. it's it's the thing that drives me crazy when we look when i look at popular culture and the sort of the patriarchy of culture it's like that's an excuse for him i get it this is a romance novel it's fake it's the fake 12th century, mm -hmm. but it produces a mindset where a, that guy, a, you know, you could be that kind of handsome brute when you're a powerful man. If you're some kid who's just like, you know, selling drugs on the street corner or robbing hubcaps and you had a terrible upbringing, you're all told it's no excuse. Right. Like you, yeah. that's your problem. And that's all that lands on me was it's like, oh, so if you're in power, it's okay to be a total just vicious monster especially if you're kind of good looking but if you have power that's okay right but if you're some kid if you don't gang, have power you're a you criminal to, yeah you're a criminal that's what just okay yep absolutely just, absolutely all right anyway go on. Yep. so we then we are reduced we are introduced to our heroine hmm. and her name in good romance novel tradition is rowena balem yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So she is also introduced as powerless. She is also being held by two guards. She's not being smacked around because we are told that her brother-in-law, Gilbert, um, 
actually has a crush on her. And so he's not slapping her around at this moment because he's kind of hoping that she'll be on his side in his warped psyche. Um, but it is her mother who is being slapped around. So no, she's not on his side. But she is described as, um, you know, uh, powerless to stop the violence. And her response is she's biting her lip until it's bloody. She's crying. So she's doing typically powerless woman reactions. Mm-hmm. So then there's a exposition dump, right? Mm-hmm. Oh because, yeah. yeah, that's right. This is chapter one. Yeah, chapter one is an exposition dump because mm-hmm. we want to set up the parameters of the story so that you know, like what she's, what our heroine is going to have to do and what she can't do and why she can't do the things that she wants to do. In other words, why she has no agency. Um. And then we want to get to the story. So the exposition dump is just, you know, we all know it's like, okay, just tell me why. Okay, great. Now let's get to the story, right? It's not, she's not spent, the author's not spending a lot of time on world building because nobody cares. That's okay. So that's what landed on me. Now, just from a non pop culture social critic point, but more from a writer point, because I am a writer, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. You just threw two and a half pages of a bunch of like, you know, generations of ownership and title. And it's like, okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But yeah. The state I, I, of I the English monarchy at the time. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. We don't care. Okay. We're just yeah. getting through it so that we can understand. Okay. The kingdom's in turmoil. Uh, ruthless profiteers go unchecked. There's no access to justice. Um, women and, you know, people are used as pawns, might makes right, um, all that sort of thing. And that, um, that she is the reason for the beating, the beatdown that's going on is that Gilbert, her, her stepbrother has arranged for her a marriage to a filthy old dude. Um, so that after she's married and has conceived, so that she has, you know, the right of um, lineage to his lands. Then Gilbert is going to kill the old dude and marry her himself. Right. And Gilbert is the stepbrother who has a thing for his stepsister. And and also, and is a handsome brute. Right. And is a handsome brute. Right. So this is, you know, so in a, in a giant exposition dump, um, we learn that this is the situation that she's in at the beginning of the book, a situation where she has no agency. She has no power. And that to, is one of the uh-huh. critical points of historical romance is that the first thing that we have to do for the heroine is take away all of her agency okay. because she's going to have to be in a situation where she has to use her wiles and where she has to use her attractiveness in order to be able to carve out her survival. Okay. So I just want to say a couple things. One, when I read this chapter one and they had that dump, I was like, is this what they're all like? I mean, is this the whole book going to be me just getting all this stuff just thrown at you? And then so of course that wasn't it. It was just to get it out of your way. So that was interesting to, to experience. I was like, this thing is a little crazy. And then, of course, they got rid of the whole D 
data dump, as you might call exactly, it. Exactly. Exactly. So now, then we, then we take, move forward with the story. Yeah. We move on. So how, how do you feel about this? Like, I mean, how did you feel then? How do you feel now? How did you feel reading it now? It's just this setup, you know, you got a guy slapping around a lady mm-hmm. and then her daughter's sitting there crying, biting her lip. And he wants to get, you know, some action with her, get some lands. Uh, she has no power. What do you, th- I mean, well, there's a, you've talked there's about a, film. What do you think about this? Yeah, I pulled out, I pulled out a phrase that for me sort of summed up what they were trying to get at in this chapter, which is get, we're, we're inside Gilbert's head now. And he's looking at her as she's, you know, struggling to, you know, to change the situation and can't. And mm-hmm. the phrase, uh, the, the writer wrote, the fire of her fury stirred his desires for her even more than her beauty. So we are equating violence and desire, right? As from from the beginning, right? Yes. Yes. That now we know that Gilbert is, um, is, is messed up. So we know he's not going to be, although he might, who knows, um, our hero, but uh, but right from the beginning, like we see that guys get off on manipulating women, right? Yeah, over domineering, overpowering. Yeah. I, I just, oh man, it just drives me nuts. I mean, then it's it just the whole thing. It's I mean, I think the thing drives me nuts. Not even so much the story. It's just every all the whole context. You, I, we're all living in with this. It's like. It always lands on me as propaganda. All this stuff always lands on his propaganda. And I'm a person, I watch action films, I watch all kinds of different things. I can look past certain stuff. But usually subgroup dynamics, I have a tough time looking past. Subgroups by that, I mean simply men and women, different people, different backgrounds. It's like, I see what they're locking you into. And yeah, it's exactly that. And it drives me nuts because, yeah, you're you're reading this book and I'm thinking of all the girls reading this book thinking, yeah, okay. It's a little bit, they go too far, these guys in power, but you know what? It excites them and maybe it excites me too. You know, it's like this whole thing, like, okay, um, I'm like, all right. But, you know, I, I soldiered on. So, but again, what did you, what did you think? What did the 14 year old version of yourself think? Oh Lord, I don't know. And what is, and what, I okay, well, for, okay, I couldn't forget. tell you what I was forget, thinking at 14. That, that was right. I, I know. an embarrassing number of years ago. So let right. listen, it was about 15 years ago. It's fine. Um, <laughs> right. So, yeah. So. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> well, what do you now think of it? When you, so when you yeah, read at this it, point, I'm like, okay, okay. So we've checked off the take away her agency. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we're set up for, you know, at this point, I'm either thinking that, um, okay, Gilbert is going to take a huge journey um, during mm-hmm. the course of this book, or he is set up as the one you don't want so that when the one you do want comes along, you'll be able to see the difference between them, right? Yeah, you'll that's, be able that's- to yeah, that's fascinating because and, and you'll get to it, but one because the one that's that does come we'll along, say, yeah, that does come along is mm-hmm. to me. I'm just like you know, just really as bad. Just, <laughs> it's just as bad. It's like it's like it's like they've maybe got a different hair color. I don't know. It's that's it. They're, they're the same guy. It's just it's just you know she 
Anyway, go on. Yeah. So we're so, on chapter one. Okay. Anyway, so so end of chapter one. We finished our setup. We have our we have our you know beautiful flaxen haired, um, sapphire eyed heroine, which is also mm. I have to I have to point out very important. Your heroine has to be drop dead gorgeous, right? Mm. Because mm. we're putting ourselves into these characters, right? We're living vicariously through them, so she has to be you know. She has to just be exceptionally beautiful. Of course, right. You right. want to feel that role for yourself. Right. Yes. Okay. Yes. So chapter two, having had the information dump. So now we're arriving, you know, at uh, the castle of this disgusting old man that her, mm-hmm. that Gilbert is forcing Rowena to marry. And, um, you know, there's more sort of uh, a little bit more exposition, about um about you know the 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 marriage contracts and the way things has to work and that she has to she has to sleep with this dude she has to conceive a child by him even though he's you know a disgusting old man um so she's gonna have to have her and it's you know she has to be a virgin i i forgot to mention that it's very important that she's a virgin Mm. because of course at that time and i put this in quotes um, because it is rewriting of the past to suit the present. Um, but quote, quote unquote, at that time, virginity was, you know, the most important aspect of a bride to be. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to try to deep dive into history on this one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, so that's just part of the setup that she's a virgin. So her first sexual experience Essentially, she's going to be raped by a lecherous, old, disgusting dude. Um, and, you know, he's going to have to, you know, have sex with her as many times as it takes for her to get pregnant before Gilbert will swoop in, kill him, and then, you know, force her, force her to marry him, and then, you know, have have at it. Um, it's Gilbert's turn, right? So there are a couple of quotes that popped out. Gilbert's turn. It's Gilbert's yeah. turn. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, so there were a couple of quotes that pop out from this, right? So um, it was a well-known fact that without any ladies presence, present, men would behave nearly as beasts. So we are setting up the idea that women are a civilizing force on men. Well, aren't they? These big brutes, these big handsome brutes just need a delicate lady to help them know how to behave. Of course. <laughs> to teach them the ways of civilization, right? Yes. yes. And, um, you know, a description of the description of her husband to be, of course, just just relishes how disgusting he is. He's, he's uh, described as blind, stooped, with fetid breath, crooked finger fingers he looks like a corpse like an animated corpse yes yes <laughs> and he abuses his servants so not only is he ugly on the outside he's definitely ugly on the inside too and we all know ugliness is the worst sin in any culture so oh yes yeah, yes no ugly yes. no ugly you could be pretty and just an awful person and it balances you out mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Okay. she would never again beg god no, wait a minute. She would never beg again, for only God had mercy. Men had only greed and lust. 
So all she can do at this point is swear revenge and cry in private. So again, you know, she is, she is without agency. She is the victim of the, of the natural brutishness of men. Mm -hmm. Okay. Can we, uh, can, how do you feel about that? Well, let's keep going. Cause okay. I'll have, you know, I'll have feelings. Um, I'll have moments where, where I think uh, we really need to talk about the feelings. Um, so the next morning is her wedding day. And finally we have an ally for our heroine, right? So Rowena Belem up until this point had been completely alone, um, surrounded by brutish men, but we finally see an ally and that is her maid, mm. her maid. Her lady's maid comes into the picture, who is, of course, old, fat, and jolly, right? So if you can't be, <laughs> if you can't be young oh, and ridiculously gorgeous, you better be old, fat, and jolly. Well, jolly key. I mean, if you're going to be old and fat, come on, be happy about it. Go with it. Smile a little bit while you eat. It'll be great. <laughs> right. So more exposition dump. And that is that, you know, her, her husband to be, um, is obviously if he's, you know, a fetid corpse, he's too old to sire a child, Mm -hmm. right? This is what we're introducing. So the fat old maid has a plan. (laughs) Uh, she has a couple of plans. I like fat old maid. I think (laughs) we we have to use that in something. Fat old maid. Okay. (laughs) Maybe, maybe that'll be a song title for something. All right. There you go. Now, because she's, you know, an ally, she is the one, you know, Rowena is all up in her feelings about, you know, and <laughs> legitimately so. She's in a terrible position, but she's mm-hmm. all up in her feelings about how her, you know, God is, is the, her only hope and that men are brutes. And the maid is like, okay, so here's what we're going to do, right? She's the real life connection to our romantic mm-hmm. heroine. We're going to drug her drink so that she doesn't have to be awake when she's raped. And um, that, uh, you know, she just sort of tells her the way it is. You're in this situation. You're going to have to deal with it. The best you can do is try to make it a little bit more bearable for yourself. So here are your options. Choose one, right? Okay. Boom. Marriage. They get married. We gloss over the marriage really quickly because we don't care. It's we just, you know, want to get to our heroine feeling big feelings of being in distress and powerless. So Gilbert foils her plot to sleep through sex, right? Her maid was going to drug her drink, but Gilbert foils the plot by taking the cup away from her um, because he thinks that she might be trying to poison herself. And that way he's not going to get lions, lands and armies, which is what he really needs. He needs the armies and the money to buy mercenaries. So, um, so again, she has no agency. Um, Lions cannot have sex with her, but that's okay because he's willing to call one of his men in to sleep with her so that he can have an heir, right? So, oh, okay, time out. Time out. <laughs> I've been growing, I realize I'm a thing muted. So, 
Um, <laughs> this, this whole thing, man, it's just, okay. See, this is the thing. I read this and, you know, I went through the whole book, read it. Already, I'm like, what is going on here? Like, okay, yeah, but, I, this people. But Sean, okay. you don't understand. Anyway. This is all just to get us to the good part. Oh, yeah. Okay. And that good part is... It's coming up in the next chapter, right? Right. Right. So, but wait, but wait. Chapter four has a giant plot twist. Giant Mm. plot twist, which is... So, he can't get hard. Lions can't get it up. (laughs) Right? The old man can't get it up. So, he says to her, either... No, this is good. This is good news. Oh, sorry. Because there you go. Because it means that she doesn't have to sleep with fetid breath corpse. But it does mean that she's going to have to find someone else to get her pregnant, right? So she's still going to be raped, but it won't be by the fetid breath corpse. So small step up, right? Mm -hmm. And then plot twist, as she weeps her way through the night with no options... Lions has a heart attack and dies. Wow, lucky that, huh? Yeah. Well, no, because it's out of the frying pan into the fire, right? Uh-huh. We can't we can't we can't give her a break. She has to be desperate. She has to be desperate and with no options. Mm-hmm. So what uh Gilbert comes up with in the morning when they find the corpse, because you know, she slept on the floor or the couch or something as far away from him as possible. Um, Gilbert, who you may, fair reader, you may be asking why Gilbert just doesn't impregnate her. Well, Gilbert has black hair and black eyes. Mm -hmm. Rowena Belem Mm -hmm. has flaxen hair and blue eyes, and Lyons has ashen hair and gray eyes. So Lyons is the old guy. Lyons is the old guy, exactly. So if he impregnates, if he rapes her and impregnates her, everyone will know that it wasn't Lyons' child and therefore he won't get access to the money. So he's kind of the thinking man's rapist. He is the thinking man's rapist. Okay. Yeah, he's a practical rapist. Practical rapist, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, we definitely want all that in our literature. Yes. Okay. Yes. So... More exposition. So they hatch the plot. Well, Gilbert hatches the plot that they're going to have to kidnap some poor serf who has no power. um, And they're going to have to, Gilbert is going to have to find some flaxen haired, gray eyed serf. They're going to kidnap him. They're going to force him to have sex with Rowena until she's pregnant and then they can get rid of the surf. So you, you know what's funny? Reading it was bad. I mean, it's like I won't say bad enough. Again, the author writes <laughs> fine. And and for those listening, obviously we're being ironic about certain stuff, so hopefully you get that. But reading it was enough to go through that there there's this multiple rapes of you know, stuff happening. But it's like when you say it, when you actually explain it as a plot point, it's mm-hmm. like, oh man, I mean, this stuff is what? 35% of the market? So, okay. Yeah. But listen, well, like you, I said, if you like this reading it, go. go yeah. On. Like I said, this is just, this is just the setup. We are not, we're not at oh, the good part. That, that, well, right? that makes it, that's different. Okay. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. perfect. The rapes are just the setup. So, oh, okay. Well, there's threat of rape. You'll notice okay. 
No one no, has been raped yet. We're just yes. talking about rape, right? So no it's, animals were harmed in the making exactly. of this Exactly. It's yes. just the okay. threat of rape to get mm. us all up in our scared feelings, our nervousness, okay. right? Okay. Right. All right. Mm. So now chapter five, enter our hero. Our hero is, of course, a flaxen-haired, gray-eyed hunk, right? Mm-hmm. He's, he... he's tall. He's muscular. His muscles are cut. He's. Would you call him a brute? Would he be a brute? I, no, I would call him a babe. A babe. So he's a babe. Variation of brute. Okay, we got it. <laughs> he is. So we get a little bit of exposition about him. He is traveling to. Um, he's traveling to meet his next wife. He's had two already. Uh, so he is, you know, well-versed in the ways of men and women, which mm-hmm. is very important. Oh, very God. important. Absolutely. Um, he's no fumbling youth. He's a man. Um, a good, strong hand to potentially guide our heroine. Absolutely. Big, okay. powerful, big, powerful guy. Um he was aggressive in all things, is how he is described, right? Good. Okay. Um, and mm-hmm. as they're talking about the marriage that he's going to, we it's very important that we set up from the beginning that this is not a love match, right? He's not in love with this woman. She's not in love with him, right? Mm-hmm. But he has been courting her gently, gently, over time. They've had a long courtship because, quote, was not necessary that he love his wife, only that she love him. Well, isn't that true, right? We know that. <laughs> so he has been courting her. You know, he knows how to do that. But he is not in love with someone, and she is not really in love with him. She's well inclined towards him at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gets attacked because he's in a tavern. He's sort of traveling incognito. And so the the Gilbert's thugs see him see his coloring see that he's you know dressed in sort of travel clothes so they um they grab him assuming he's a serf but of course he's a knight so he fights well doesn't matter they knock him out they bring him to the castle they chain him to a bed so Mm -hmm. they are setting up that she is going to rape him. Okay. Well, listen, look, at least we're doing a little bit of gender parity, right? Well, I think what we're doing is we are once again, exposition, right? We are once again setting it up mm-hmm. so that when he goes on the aggressive, we, are, we have his point of view in mind. As well any good reader should in a patriarchy. Well, you want to have it's also good storytelling, right? Yeah. It's good I, storytelling. I might we take want to know. We want to know his given circumstances, so that when mm-hmm. when we'll we're asked, we'll yeah, when we're asked to sympathize with him, um, we have good cause to do so. Just just spoiler alert for the listener. When I'm asked to sympathize with him, as I told Dom, I was reading it. I wasn't sympathizing. I was like. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Anyway, go on. Sorry. Okay. So she's 18. 
BT dubs. Um, he's probably, you know, they marry young. He's probably in his late twenties, early thirties. I think he has to be early thirties because his uh, daughter is thirty, is sixteen. We find that's out. true. That's true. He has, and two, he yes, he has two daughters already, by the yeah. first marriage. Yeah, yeah. yeah so he's in his early thirties. So he's in his okay. th- early thirties. So he is chained to the bed by Gilbert's men, and our our lovely heroine Rowena Belem is is pushed into the room with him and told you need to have sex with him as many times as it takes to get pregnant. Okay. Well, there you go. So now for a change of pace, we are taking power away from the hero, right? He is now without (laughs) eight. He is now without agency. And she has given the task of essentially raping him. Okay. Yeah. Well, sure. Sure. We're with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You see, okay, now, as a non-romance novel reader, and as, you know, we talk about a lot of stuff on this podcast, you see how this stuff kind of like, I it almost feels like I've landed in another universe mm-hmm. where there where there are absolutely no norms of behavior. And, and once again, for the listener, if this is your cup of tea, boil that tea, boil that teapot, have all that tea you want, you know, get those tea bags out and just go for it. I'm not telling you not to. I'm just telling you how I respond to this stuff. So anyway, it just seems so crazy to me, but please continue. You know, it's, it's, it's fantasy. I, Yep. You're just, you're just going along for the ride, right? I mean, you bought this book and so you're going along for the ride. So you're like, okay, um, I will, I will, I will take those given circumstances because what I really want to remember, this is, this is a long book. We're about, you know, we're about like maybe, maybe a 20th of the way into the book. There's 50 chapters and we're on chapter six. So the setup is happening very quickly because, again, we want to get past this. Um, there are some comic scenes, you know, obviously Gilbert, you know, outlines the situation so that she has no no choice. She has to mm-hmm. rape. She has to rape. Sure, him. sure. But she's a virgin. She doesn't know how to have sex. So there are some comedic scenes while she, you know, goes to the bed and 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 uh, her maid, Mildred, has explained to her that you know his peg goes in her hole that's how you have sex I, and they they have a lovely term for his peg in this yes book, do they, they do his man root his man root his okay man root yes because that's exactly what they used in the 12th century all right <laughs> so at first you know she tries to stuff his flaccid man root into her flower and it doesn't work <laughs> So she goes running back to her maid, like, I can't make it work. I can't make it work. So, you know, her maid tells her that she has to get his man root hard and then stuff it into her. And um, so there is some, you know, lightheartedness. And we see that um, that she is she is definitely against this whole idea and looking for any excuse to to. to uh, call it off, but she knows that Gilbert will just go out and, you know, if, if she refuses, he's going to, he's going to kill her 
um, he's going to kill this guy in front of her and get another, you know, uh, guy that meets the description. So she's got to do it to save mm. lives. Sure. Yeah. And we so. get a little, we get a little, um, chapter seven shows us his point of view as he's chained on the bed. He thinks he's been kidnapped for ransom. So when she first comes in to the room and, you know, with her sapphire eyes and her milky globes and her beautiful flaxen hair, he's like, I'd do her. I'd do her if she wasn't my jailer without it, you know, without a doubt. But then as she... <laughs> Then we hear, but because we're in his mind, we realize that, you know, that part of his, uh, part of his backstory is that he has taken an oath to God. How convenient that no one would ever do him an ill again without paying for it in kind or worse. So mm -hmm. he has sworn an oath to God that if someone does something to him, he's going to do it right back to them with interest. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's our setup with what so she's that's about our to setup do to him. With what she's about to do to him. And she does, in fact, listen to Mildred's advice. And she she essentially seduces him. She makes him his body betray him. Mm -hmm. And she has sex with him. And this goes on for three days. Oh, stop it. <laughs> yes, this goes on for three days. So now we have our first sex scenes. And, you know, they're fairly well described. They're fairly yes. well described. Yes, this is we, a very explicit section. Yes, and he, it is clear that he is being raped because he continues to fight against it for the full three days. Okay, again, no whistle here, but time out. Um, now he's, we say, and this is not me putting some sort of, you know, traditional retro male perspective on it. It, the book states itself, he likes her. He's attracted to her. She gets his motor running as mm -hmm. the old song goes. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. I just, I did, this is the part but, for me where it's like, why is he so mad about this? I get it. I get, he, yeah. he do get a point about it. He says, you know, you're stealing my the seed of my manhood, so to speak. Right. Uh, and you know, you you've taken that from me. I, yeah. I guess. I guess I get it. But I mean, well, you know. and you know, he is chained to a bed. He's not mm -hmm. being given a choice here. And although Rowena seems to be fairly used to a world where she doesn't have a choice, mm -hmm. for a powerful, handsome knight like himself. To have no choice but to have sex with a beautiful lady, yes. Well, uh, no, you know, let's let's not. No, I get it. I yeah, get it. I get. Yeah. I'm not because I'm, rape I'm, is rape. Rape is rape, indeed. Yes. and I'm not because Lord knows we live in an era where just anything is going to be misinterpreted. However, my point is just simply that okay, rape is rape. We know she shouldn't do this. He's tied down to the bed. Some stuff goes down in the next few chapters where it's like, you know what? Okay, I get it, but maybe you're taking this a bit much. But I get it. This is the setup with the book. Right, so right. Let's just go. So how do we feel about Ro Warwick and Rowena at this point? You or me or us both or the, right, the, the general reader. How do you reader. feel? How do you okay. feel? And then how do we think the general reader feels? 
I'm already out. Like I'm getting through the book at this point and I'm being genuine. And for, for listeners who don't know me, I, I am open to a lot of different genres, a lot of different types of subjects, very much interested in that different kinds of characters. And I approach this with an open mind. I look at Rowena and I, you know, I, I do like the character. I, I don't like that. She's put in this, you know, position of not having any power. Um, Warwick initially, I just find incredibly annoying. And I get, and I guess it's because like, we're in fantasy world, so we're going to enter the, the fantasy space of a lot of guys. If a beautiful woman came and offered herself to you, yes, rape is rape. I don't know that you would be as angry as Warwick gets. That's what was like. That's where I'm reading it. And like, dude, come on. All right, it's like I get it, but you know, all things being equal, it wasn't, you know, other kinds of things that could have happened to you. I'll just put it that way. So I look, I look at work and I understand, I understand as a reader and as a writer, what's going on and what I'm supposed to respond to. I just don't have that response, uh, but, but it's a breezy read. So I'm still going along with it. Okay. How about you? Well, you know, at this point, I think that we are supposed to be very much on Warwick's side, mm-hmm. right? Um, no, really. Okay, so as the as the romance reader, is that really what you? I mean, I'm cur- genuinely curious. You think that we're supposed to side with him and think what about Rowena? What are we supposed um, to think about? I think that you know we are we are supposed to be rooting for this these two from the beginning because to come together. Oh, yeah, because Warwick is is he is being mistreated badly. I mean, he's chained to a bed for three days. Mm-hmm, um, you know, he's sure. got, he's Thoughtful. got bruises on his wrist from where, and ankles from where he's been fighting against the chains. His body is being used against his will repeatedly. Um, and he's listening in on the, you know, the, the things that, cause Mildred is feeding him and, um, and, uh, you know, a, a assumedly giving him a, a jar to pee in or something. I don't know. But, <laughs> yeah. They um, never really got to go into that. Detail. Yeah. 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 Well, they do mention know. it. They do mention he needs yeah. to relieve himself and all exactly. that. And exactly. I think that was, an, that does come up as a plot point later. One, a little minor point later because of how he was allowed to relieve himself and all that kind of stuff. Cause I think Mildred, the fat, jolly friend, mm-hmm. uh, fat, jolly mentor, um, was the person who had to go and do that for mm-hmm. him because they couldn't afford to have anybody else see that Warwick was really the person about to sire the child with Rowena exactly. instead of the old yeah. guy. Who they've, they've put it about that uh, that the Lord, who at this point is dead, they've put it put the story out that he's you know so overcome by his honeymoon period that he's staying in his room and only Rowena and has asked that only Rowena care for him. Um, so, you know, this is the, the bait and switch that we're doing here is that, um, you know, the whole Gilbert is, is, is telling everyone that it's actually, you know, their Lord in that room when in fact it's this assumedly surf that he kidnapped and is forcing Rowena to have sex with so that she can get pregnant. Right. Because again, Rowena and no one knows or realizes that he is a nobleman, a high nobleman. Exactly. Exactly. So at this point, I think we're meant to feel badly for Warwick to feel that, you know, he has been betrayed and sympathetic to Rowena. um, But at the same time, understand that she is 
you know, that he is, he is at the receiving end of abuse. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. later when he is angry about it, um, we will be on his side. We will feel that that anger is justified. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I, I that's absolutely what is structured here. Again, it's just, I, I read it and I'm seeing, it's sort of like I read it from the standpoint of I'm seeing if you imagine someone who knows um, either a magic trick, I've studied magic, but I, I think that in a positive sense, let's think of something negative, like a con. I know what this con is going to be. Yes. I know this setup. And, I, yep. and I'm and i looking at it, I'm like, I know this con. Mm-hmm. Okay, I know what you do. And, and the readers do too. I mean, it's not that we are, it's not that, you know, that we are reading it with, you know, with a complete a lack of understanding of what's coming. I mean, the readers are in on this, on the, on the plot. Oh, I don't even mean They're the plot con is, I, I get that. I'm saying what you're trying to get me to Absolutely. feel like, that I want to be the, on the side of the patriarchy. Yeah. But now, okay, so this is where I really want to go to with you on this. Okay, so you know this, right? Yep. You're mm-hmm. reading this, you're going through this. And we've, we've talked about this when we talk about Handmaid's Tale, which is a great series. I haven't watched many episodes, and one of the reasons I haven't is because I watch it and I think, you know, pick up a weapon or go on the attack. And I'm sure there's lots of explanations why that doesn't happen in the show, but that's kind of the reaction I have, right? So I'm reading this and I'm like, mm, all right, you know what? I know what you're doing to me. What are you, as someone I've talked to about these kinds of topics for a long while now? What's mm-hmm. what are you feeling as you read? Are you able to just say, you know what, it's a breezy read. This is fun. I'll just keep going with it. Or does it take it away from you? Like sometimes I'll see something and it takes away the joy I have in a film or a TV show because they've done something I find troublesome. Right, right. Um, like I said, I think the reader is in on it. I think the reader, yes, yes, absolutely. And, and it, what are you, what's your response? I'm talking, I'm talking about Dawn Sam Alden, our matriarchal warrior, <laughs> warrior queen. What do you? Well, I, I don't is? read romance anymore. That's mm-hmm. my answer to that question. It is not, okay. you know, uh, this gotcha. is not something that appeals to me gotcha. at That's this time in my life and hasn't appealed to me for a good long time. Uh, that's all I was trying to understand. I just mm-hmm. wanted to say yeah. that if it were one of those things where you're like, you know what, it doesn't appeal, but you know, I can breeze it. You know, it's fun. Okay, go on. Yeah. Whereas no, like, I, not... I can breeze through it, but yeah. I'm just like, eh. yeah. What we're coming to, which is, you know, the meat of the story, um, mm-hmm. where we watch these two dance around each other, both clearly in love with each other, but neither of them able to admit it to one another. Mm-hmm. Because of their, you know, stubborn natures and their, you know, she, as the, as the novel goes on. So just for the, for the listener's sake, of course, you know, they have sex, she gets pregnant. They, Mildred lets him go after three days um, so that Gilbert won't kill him. Uh, he goes back to his armies. He turns out to be the most feared warlord in the province and he marches back to the castle with his armies at his back and takes Rowena prisoner, takes the whole hereditary home that she had married into. He takes everything, um, conquers everything, takes her prisoner, and then returns his revenge on her. Mm -hmm. So then he chains her to the bed and rapes her for three days. 
except he doesn't, you know, just like she seduced him, his point is not to rape her. His point is to make her body betray her the way that his body betrayed him under her ministrations. Mm -hmm. So we have some hot sex scenes, you know, they're describing her responses and, you know, his hard man root and her opening <laughs> flower and, you know, and uh, all that sort of thing. So we get a lot of yeah. good sort of hot sex with bondage included. Yeah. I, and yeah. And that's, okay, so you know, we get that. and then, mm. <laughs> all right. And okay, then so... for the rest of the four fifths of the book, we list, we watch them dance around each other. That's that, what I was going to say. Let's let's telescope. Let's compress it. Yes, right. that is what the meat of a romance novel is about. We want to see them each having power in their own way, right? He has actual power. She has the power of persuasion, the way a woman mm -hmm. should, right? Um, so cool. she has to like outthink him and tease him. And um, and uh, be be have te little little stamping her foot temper tantrums that he indulges more and more as he realizes that he's falling in love with her. Right. So by the end, they they are forced to admit that they are each other's soulmate. They marry. She has a babe. She has the son that he could not get through his first two marriages. She bears him the son that he had been waiting for. They have both punished each other back and forth several times for the cruelties done to one another. So they have expunged their, their crimes to one another and so that they can finally admit that they're in love with each other and they marry. Well... And that is the point, exactly. The point of the book is to watch them dance around each other. But within that dancing around each other, and here we go, you know, this is, this is what I think as a mature person looking back on these novels and looking back on the fact that I read them at, you know, my early teens, um, a couple of, of themes come up. One is that, they don't actually talk to each other about their feelings. Mm -hmm. At no point in the novel do they actually say to each other, here's the thing. I did this because this, 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 and this, either because they're too proud to say it to one another or the other is too proud to listen. Um, well, no, there is interesting. There is a conceit in there and mayhap, because that's the big phrase right, of that right. book, mayhap. Uh, it's a very genuine early... Well, yeah. I mean, late. silence silence, and the inability to communicate would, you know, are, are, are central to the plot. If they actually spoke to each other, this book of, would have been over in chapter five, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, because what happens is he doesn't want to hear excuses. He uh, has this reason to... He says he never wants their excuses. I mean, he has to have his vengeance. And she is concerned that if she tells him certain things or explains certain things to him, one of the subplots is her mom, who the lady at the beginning who was slapped around by Gilbert, is still in Gilbert's clutches. Right, right. And so she wants to have the situation work out in such a way that Warwick and Gilbert uh, clash. Um, that was my sword strike. Not really good. Um, 
Warwick and Gilbert clash, and somehow in the end it works out that Gilbert falls and Warwick, the cruel brute that she secretly does like, will help free her mother. And then maybe she'll stamp her foot and decide he really is the guy for her. Exactly. Um, so exactly. that gets kind of yeah, why I mean, it's, not conver- it's, having the conversation. Exactly. And she points out on more than one occasion, because we do want to be on her side, you know, mm-hmm. that um, he was enacting vengeance. She was only, tr- she was trying to save her mother's life. Right. She was yeah. forced to do what she did. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and he does yes. come to that understanding. Um, he comes to the understanding in the end of, you know, we get him where he's chastened by the fact that he realized she did the whole thing for love of her mother. Yes. So and yes. The when end, he finally he, realizes it, you know, he, he realizes what a fool he's been and he, you know, she makes him uh, go through like five months of constantly, you know, because he lets her go when he realizes everything that's happened, he lets her go. She goes and lives in her old castle with her mom and he comes, you know, every couple of weeks he shows up with his train and begs her to forgive him and marry him. And she spurns him and turns him away. And, you know, he, he comes back a couple of weeks later, she spurns him. It becomes, you know, this game that, that she's playing with him and, uh, you know, when she's finally on the, at the moment of giving birth, um, you know, she forgives him. They call the priest. They get married while she's in labor. <laughs> and, and then, of course, she gives him her son. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. And, they, and, and they, she thinks it's going to be a girl. He, for some reason, I think, believes it's going to yeah. be a girl. And then they realize it's a boy. And, of course, that's, is there, you know, that's yes, the height exactly. of what they want. He, he gets um, to, he gets he gets the thing he always wanted and she gets to give him the thing he always wanted. All right. Now let's, let's so kind of, as we come towards wrapping this up, let me again, ask you on this. Okay. So we get this book. Give me, give me the, the, your insight into this. So this, I see this play out in the book and what I, what I take from it is this idea that you had, yeah, ladies, that guy's a brute. But if you stamp your feet enough, he eventually is going to have to beg you to marry him. What is that about? Like, yeah. what is what's the appeal of that? Like, well, what's the appeal is, of like you know the getting... classic '80s Cosmo quiz, right? I mean, mm-hmm. this is this is really you you have to understand that mindset um, that was so prevalent in the '80s, and for, for all I know you know, is still prevalent today among the younger people that are still actively involved in courting. And that is that you cannot, you have to manipulate a guy that his first impulse is to take you and discard you. And the only way to, to snare a man, right? It has to be, it has to be a covert operation. The only way to snare a man is to mess with his mind enough that you can control him and then force him to, you know, to treat you right. <laughs> that was a bad sound effect. I didn't know what it sounded yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, um, I'm, all right, I don't, okay, I get that. I, I you, you, you have yeah. to capture him, and then once you've got him, then you can change his ways. Okay, sure. Yep, um, yep. So this is, yeah. And then, and sure. the, okay. the, you know, this has given rise to these, 
to these lasting, lasting stereotypes that, you know, all women want is to snare a guy and all men want is to sleep around as much as possible and escape Mm -hmm. being snared. You know, I mean, we still speak of marriage in terms of something the women are forcing the men to do. Yeah, yeah. Even though studies show that that is actually the opposite of what is happening in our society today, that more men want to get married than women want to get married, and that more men actually want to settle down and have a family than women do at this point in history. Yeah, it's 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 a um, it's yeah the old you chase her till she catches you. Um, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's it's um, interesting to me to read this because again, I, I look at it. I, I it's it's almost for me like you've landed me on an alien planet, and I'm trying to understand how the culture works. It just is so outside my whole frame of reference of what I even think about and what I like. Um, I would like to, you know, we're going to need to wrap it up, but I would like to explore other facets of this. I think we're going to have to do another book club at some point and then just kind of talk about, I, I kind of see want to see where things are now, because I think the thing to do now is we've looked at an 80s book. Well, let's see if we can find a book from the modern era and yeah, kind yeah. of. Um, okay. But I do want to, I do want to wrap up a few more thoughts. Sure, sure. It would be interesting. Also, I want to throw out there uh, just before you wrap it up to the listener. We don't really have. I wish we had like the like those phone in shows like they have on TV where people can phone in. Yeah. Hello, Cleveland. Yeah. What do you think about the romance novel? Exactly. I want. I mean, so if you people are listening, info at thirty four Cersei Info at thirty four Cersei Yeah, or, or leave comments on the episode on uh, on your podcast platform. I haven't been seeing comments. That's tell the reason us, I'm throwing that out. Yeah, there. tell yeah. us, um, tell us what you think of romance novels. If you have any thoughts about, you know, did you read them when you were younger? That kind of thing. Um, yeah, I but, would love uh, to hear from yeah, people about. Yeah, this. definitely. I'm very always, curious. Always. Yeah. Sorry, you wanted to wrap this up. So well, there's please. there's a few quotes that I pulled out that I wanted mm-hmm. to really highlight this idea of, you know, it is the battle of the sexes, right, and that mm-hmm. men's weapons. Right. There's a lot of talk about uh, women's weapons that Mildred finally takes. You know, there's a lot of humiliation kink going on in this. You know, he makes her wear crappy clothes and wash, you know, wash his laundry and behave like a servant and all that sort of thing. You know, after he's finally released her from the bed. Um, But they're still sleeping together because, as she says, you know, he had made her want him. The bastard made her want him. Twas his final triumph, right? So mm-hmm. it, his forceful um, male ways of just taking what he wants. Um, nonetheless, he had he had taught her the ways of her body as a virgin. She had no understanding of that sex could be pleasurable, and um, so those were his man's weapons. But her woman's weapons, right, was that. She outsmarted him and teased him and used her body against him. Um, I, I, it's funny. I saved, I was trying to see how I could find the notes I'd saved for this. Like, I had saved a bunch of notes as I read this. And one, here's a quote I think you might like. 
not like, but that would might like because it fits with just what you're talking about. I put a little note that said the patriarchy's dream. And the co- quote is, he Warwick says to Rowena, be quiet. I am too tired to force you again, no matter how much you might beg for it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that is like, that is like your patriarchal fantasy. It's like when we, we were talking about the genetics and we were trying to figure out. Yeah. People were trying to figure out how the genetics patterns occurred. And it was pretty clear when we've, you, uh, you, Vicky and I have talked about it, that there's in certain genetic imbalances, war rape going on, flat out yeah. war rape. Yeah. But the, but the people who would write about it would go, maybe these guys were just really good looking. Mm-hmm. And so the women let them kill the men and take them. Yeah, yeah. And have sex with it. Yeah, and rape them instead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, around the middle midpoint of the book, I wrote, she is dependent on him for pleasure because she is completely innocent. That's a male fantasy. So why is it in a woman's romance book? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So yeah. we're being we're being coaxed along to to come to an understanding that the male fantasy is the way it's going to be and that our job is to try to find as women to try to find a way to make it work for us too and the way that we do that is to use women's weapons right he has all the power but she can manipulate him to use that power in a way that also benefits her. It is, it's just absolutely fascinating because that is actually what I thought as I read this. It's like, okay, this is like a teaching guide. It's what I imagine if you had a factory in some sort of like fascist patriarchy, totalitarian patriarchy, and they just said, okay, here's today's, you know, propaganda lessons mm-hmm. and, I, and I, once again I, as I hear myself saying this I know for the listener if you just like romance novels again just like them well again this is my take on it again but, I'm um, saying that yeah. you know people who the people who read romance novels especially the older women you know 30 to 54 we know that's what's going on right we know this is you mm-hmm. know ridiculous and not not the way the world actually works and we I think, you know, like like um, you were mentioning Tarantino's quote, you know, about Bruce Lee and how like, it's just media. Don't take yeah, it seriously. Yeah, uh, drives me nuts. Like we, just we, so the listener knows, Tarantino in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood portrayed Bruce Lee in a certain way where I, as a huge Bruce Lee fan, was really offended by it. And I you truly a lot believe of people. Yeah. deeply, deeply inaccurate. So yeah, go on. yeah. So, you know, it's that same like, we think we know we're being manipulated, but that doesn't mean it doesn't work on us anyway. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. we think we're above being manipulated because we're aware of it. But if all we read are romance novels in this pair, in this framework, in this, this structure and this um, message, then it's going to work on us anyway, even if we right. think, we know better, right? And there's also a lot of stuff in there as this, you know, as the tide is beginning to turn and Warwick is 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 giving into his attraction to Rowena. Um, there he's talking with his best friend 
and they're talking about women and they say, quote, the way a woman's mind worked was not to be trusted. Right. So they're going through the same I, the same thing of like, I know you're manipulating me, mm-hmm. but it's working anyway. And it does work anyway. Using women's weapons, Rowena tames the dragon. She tames the beast. Isn't he called the dragon? He's called, he's the, called dragon. the dragon. Yeah, yeah that's perfect. Yep. Yeah, I hadn't re- thought about that. Yeah, she tames the dragon. Mm-hmm. Such a metaphor. Anyway, mm-hmm. all right. So, I, yeah, I, so we're yeah. expected to use women's weapons only because using a man's weapons against a man is only going to make you lose the battle. But if you use women's weapons, quote unquote, then you can tame the beast and and basically make him do what you want. I also, I think the thing that I, I really like to close in the, on, and I, and it's the thing that inspired this question to me, it's what you just said, was even though you know what's being done, it still affects. It, it will still, still, still have an effect on you. It's still yes. working. And that's what I most worry about with everything that happens when we talk about stuff in media, particularly with respect to gender. So, on so that on note, that note that, yes, please, I would um, say there's one. I'll end on a hopeful note because um, because I do feel this, and maybe this will be something that we, if we decide to to read a modern romance novel, that'll be something that we talk I about would more. Love us to do that. This is your one more thing. Yes, one more thing. That at the time I was growing up, the major news magazine for women was Cosmo. Cosmopolitan Mm -hmm. and Cosmopolitan was full of nothing but tips on how to manipulate men to make them do what you want them to do. The major news magazine I read now is Teen Vogue and Teen Vogue is on fire with political activist feminist articles. Wait, you read Teen Vogue? Yeah. Yeah, Teen Vogue is freaking brilliant. It's brilliant writing. Wow. Yep. So that gives me hope that young women who were, you know, who are 13, 14, 15, 16 now are ingesting a very different message than I was in the 80s. Well, thank you. And my one thing more is I finished that novel and... You know what? I won't get those hours back in my life. But I did <laughs> did learn something. So, okay. Um, as always, I want to thank our own Dawn Sam Alden. And thank you, Sean Marlon Newcomb, for making it through Prisoner of Her Desire. Yep. Exactly. Yep. And thank you all for listening. This has been the 34 Cersei Salon. Make Matriarchy Great Again. Take care, everyone. Take care and blessed be.